This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Hello and welcome back. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. And I'm here with my co-host for the evening, Professor Keith Niedermeyer, who's the director of the undergraduate marketing program here at Wharton. It's great to be here with you, Barbara. Yeah, it's fun to have you for a change. It's very interesting. Uh, This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Marketing Matters airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's replayed several times throughout the week. And our next guest has a very interesting topic, and Keith, I'm going to let you take the lead on this because I think it's appropriate. Our next guest is Peter Adams. He's a reporter on Marketing Dive, and he's going to talk about how masculinity has been changing over time. And I think he has (laughs) a theory about this thing. Hello, Peter. Hey, how's it going? So, Peter, before you tell us your whole thesis on, on masculinity, I'm going to let, let Keith take the lead on this. Uh, because, we, because I'm a man. Because you're a man. <laughs> That's right. And, and then I'll just kibitz as we go along. Sure, but sure. But before we do, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what makes you an expert on this topic and how are you talking about this whole topic? What's yeah, your background? So, uh, sure, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a reporter and I cover... Um, you know, digital transformation and its impact on uh, marketing, advertising, and the media, um, but also, you know, trends that have emerged in the industry. Um, and yeah, so just over, you know, the past couple months or so, we write a lot about brand creative um, and specifically stuff that goes out on social channels, digital channels. And I just sort of noticed an uptick um, in a few big name marketers kind of running these campaigns that were specifically about. Um, the definitions of masculinity or the subject of uh, toxic masculinity in particular. So um, so your article is uh, Goodbye Mar- Marlboro Man, mm-hmm. and, um, and you specifically discuss uh, how that kind of image of kind of classic masculinity is fading away on, in the marketing scene a little bit, correct? Yeah. yeah. So um, – in in looking at that, do you see that this is like a specific agenda that uh, that specific marketers are are kind of trying to facilitate, kind of like the Bonobos video that's that's getting a lot of play on on YouTube, or do you think it's just following trends? Um, I think it can be, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a mix of a few things. Um, I think I think part of it is a response to companies recognizing um, that you know younger younger consumers. Um, Gen Gen Z in particular is often viewed as um, feeling uh, very close to their identities and not necessarily always adhering to these rigid stereotypes uh, around gender. Um, So so that's part of the play, um, I think, is, you know... Just uh, that gender's non-binary, is that... Um, yeah, that's part of it, gender fluidity, um, but just also the idea, I mean, if you look back, um, you know, even even like a, a decade ago, there was the term um, that seems fairly dated now, but, you know, metrosexual, um, which was for... <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> yeah, uh, for straight men who maybe like to dress well or, or get manicures um, or something like that. Um, that's not even that much, you know, that's not that frequently used anymore, but, you know, just this idea... That masculinity doesn't have to be this hyper rigid, um, or you know, defined by by toughness or ruggedness or or even aggressiveness, um, is something I think more marketers are getting keyed into, um, and you know, especially as this idea of personalization, one to one personalization, becomes 
sort of the de facto industry standard, I think a lot of marketers are trying to think, how can we market to uh, a broader umbrella of identities um, in regards to men and elsewhere as well? I wonder how much, you know, which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Did the trend come first or did the facts that beauty and cosmetic manufacturers decided there was a big untapped <laughs> market there and they wanted to sell men all sorts of uh, hair coloring products and skin products and all of that stuff. They've really been pushing on that for a number of years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, I've, I've, from covering my beat, have only noticed an uptick in conversations around men in advertising that are like this, you know, over the past couple years or so. But um, the the conversation around it, it really follows on the momentum that's been built up for, you know, these campaigns around women's empowerment. So mm. uh, you look at a, like a company like Dove, um, you know, they've had their real beauty platform, you know, focusing on non-models, a uh, range of body sizes, uh, different ethnic and racial backgrounds, um, have sort of laid the groundwork that this is sort of then taking up the mantle of, at least in my perspective. Hmm, that's a really interesting point. And you made, a, you, made a, you made a comment just a minute ago that there's more one-to-one type marketing. Uh, and you talk about that in the article a little bit, that it's getting away from some of these ter- stereotypical, stereotypical archetypes. Um, and uh, I, wonder, I wonder if it's uh, – is there a risk for companies of getting a backlash of, of endorsing like another archetype or another stereotype that men aren't masculine anymore or, or threatening uh, people who kind of subscribe to, to that, uh, that brand personality? Oh, yeah. There, there's, there's definitely. Um, and if you look at um, something like the Bonobos campaign that mm-hmm. I – center a lot of my piece around. Can you um, tell us a little, the people who don't know, are not familiar with that campaign, can you detail what's going on with the Bonobos sure, campaign? Sure, yeah. Um, so Bonobos, a men's retailer, um, they're, they're relatively young in the space and they were bought by Walmart about a year ago, um, but they launched a campaign that sort of builds off a few other creative initiatives they've had, but it's called Evolve the Definition, um, where they just interview a series of uh, men, um, including you know a transgender male athlete. Um, and, a, and a few other, you know, diverse figures, and, and sort of just ask them what the traditional definition of masculinity is, have them read, um, you know, from, you know, a dictionary, and it has these certain terms in it that could be construed as, you know, problematic or narrow, and, uh, and then they sort of offer their own uh, interpretations of what it means to be a man. And so that lives in a documentary that the brand filmed, but they've also established a microsite that sort of gets more into the details of the campaign. When you look at the conversation online surrounding that campaign, and I think it's a brilliant campaign uh, and really interesting to watch, but boy, if you dive into the comments right. on YouTube, they are probably ninety ten uh, pretty pretty uh, <laughs> aroused by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's that's part of it, right? Um, I mean, this extends to you know going beyond masculinity. Um, you know, any any sort of given how much social media amplifies those voices. Um, you know, anything that touches on anything political um, or, or related to social causes like this, I mean, you're inherently, I think, going to court some degree of backlash. For the masculinity piece of it, I know I, I talked about the, the Dove Real Women um, or Real Beauty platform. Um, a, a lot of the messaging around breaking down, you know, female stereotypes or stereotypes around women has been one of empowerment, you know, women mm-hmm can, you know, do whatever and they can do what men can do and addressing sort of these inequalities. But for a lot of this, um, you know, these campaigns that are around masculinity, 
uh, it's sort of saying, hey, some of this stuff is historically problematic. Um, you know, the idea that, you know, you have to be aggressive or powerful, like that's a defining factor of being a man, given the current climate and some of the stuff that's come up with the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of these are asking men to challenge mm-hmm. um, definitions that they have about themselves. So it's, it's, so it's more introspective than purely empowering. I think it can be empowering um, when it's done well, but there is a, I think it's asking, you know, a tougher ask um, in some regards. Um, and so I think that is where some of the, the backlash comes from. And the other part of it, I think, is just, you know, the ideas of um, gender fluidity, transgender men, um, women who present as men and the way they dress, um, you know, is, is, is fairly new in the mainstream, I guess. I mean, it's obviously been around for forever, I guess. Right. But, um, yeah, I think that's part of it as well. We're, a- we're talking to Peter Adams. He's a reporter for Marketing Dive, and he has this theory about the changing mas- um, a model of masculinity, and he titled it Goodbye, Marlboro Man. If you're interested in this topic and you have a question or an idea on how masculinity is changing, call us at Wharton at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. What do you think is the role of masculinity in the media, and how is it changing? Yeah, I was going to say that um, there's there's this idea of a, of what's called a system justification theory, and this idea that when your view of how the world should be, um, that you know men should be men and women should be women, and things should be ordered in this way, when that's threatened, which things like this video or, or other kind of um, gender role um, breaking of stereotypes could you know threaten certain people, the idea is that 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 then you um, kind of glom on or you connect back to things that give you a, a sense of stability. And some of the language that's surrounding uh, a lot of things in, in some of those documentaries and things are things like toxic max- masculinity mm-hmm. and some other phrases that I could see are, are very probably threatening to people who really adhere to kind of like the traditional roles in this way. And I'm wondering if you see that the companies that are doing it are aligned uh, more with you know a kind of a, a progressive type of customer base. Are they picking their customers? Bases are they expressing their corporate values, which is a whole other issue you talk about in the article as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think um, uh, Ben Ben Gaddis, who's one of the the guys I spoke to for the piece, he he works for a, um, an Austin-based agency called T3. Um, you know, one of the things he said to me is, it is important to not pedal so far in the other direction as to say, you know, everything about. You know, some, you know, men like watching football and drinking beer and doing what they've traditionally been portrayed to be doing in advertising, and I don't <laughs> think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I think um, the, the like the Bonobos campaign, for example, just picks out, you know, very specific terms uh, that are sort of loaded. But, yeah, I, I don't – I do think there is a, a fear of alienation, and I think brands do need to be considerate of that um, and have it be something that's, you know, not – shifting from one group to the other, just sort of broadening the tent overall um, or broadening the umbrella of who they market to overall. Do you see a um, a generational shift? Barbara suggested um, a, a broader acceptance of this in Gen Z, which I completely agree with. And I was just, just to back up a little bit and to foreshadow what we're going to talk about in the next segment. Um, for instance, when I talk about uh, brand archetypes in China, one of the traditional ones here in the U.S. is ruggedness and, and mm-hmm. the Marlboro Man, the brawny guy, all that stuff fits right right into that archetype. That does not exist in China. When, when you even try to translate what rugged means, people are just like, I don't, I don't really get that. And so coming, coming back here, do you see a generational shift where that, that 
you know, that kind of rugged hyper-masculinity, hyper-aggressiveness just doesn't kind of compute with the younger generation? Do you see it as a cultural shift or a generational shift or both? Yeah, it's probably both. Yeah, I mean, the generational piece of the equation is definitely part of it. Um, there's, I, I can't think of any specific research off the top of my head, but I've, I know we've written up reports before talking about how younger millennials and Gen Zers do recognize gender is on a spectrum. Yeah. Um, I know the agency I referenced before, T3, they're part of an initiative called the Pronoun Project, with, which works with a few different brands on sort of uh, identifying, you know, non-binary gender. Um, in terms of whether the, the, um, the, the rugged archetype will go away, I'm not sure. But even, um, you know, something like Brawny, I believe it's, it, they switched their mascot to being a, a woman in recent mm-hmm. years. Oh, really? I didn't um, notice that. That's interesting. I, I could be wrong about I that. I think they've done both. I think oh, you're right. Yeah. Is both. the woman so, Brawny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, I think... I'm going to not comment on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I um so so yeah I I don't think it's as much as of an effort that is targeted at you know baby boomers um and you know Gen Xers who maybe didn't uh grow up with these ideas or these ideas being in the mainstream I think it is definitely more of a play to win over millennials and Gen Z but those are quickly becoming I mean millennials are are probably the highest spending consumer segment now Gen Zers I think are forecast to be have a collective spending power of something like 140 million over the next couple of years. So, um, I, yeah, it, it's a strategic play. I think it is generational based. Um, but you know, one of the other things people I talked to for the piece says, you know, it bleeds up. So, if it resonates with young people, it potentially resonates with you know their parents as well. Um, if if their understanding of that. So well, um, if it changes style, you know, if we get to, I mean, you're seeing this kind of change in style where there isn't as much extreme masculine or female style, and things can be worn by everybody. Right. You know, that's going to bleed up for mm-hmm. sure, I think so. especially if it's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you mentioned uh, a number of times Dove's campaign for real beauty, which is you know is held up as a as a really good example of you know marketing doing good things and and empowering people. And then, uh, but on the flip side at Unilever, you have Axe, and mm-hmm. Axe has traditionally had some you know what a lot of people think are really misogynistic. You know, it's ads. interesting you should say about Axe is I just visited Unilever, mm-hmm. and it was a problem putting Axe in China um, because they didn't have deodorant sections yeah. per se. Yeah, <laughs> it is a problem. But you mentioned them in the article, and they've really kind of um, almost pivoted on this quite a bit. And that is true. We can talk about them in the China segment, <laughs> but uh, Axe is, is an interesting case, right? Because they've really pivoted. Um, so. Do, do you have some comment on on what Axe is doing? Yeah, I think they're um, one of the one of the more interesting examples um, because if you look at um, a company like Bonobos or another company I talk to uh, or talk about in the piece is Harry's, the razor mm-hmm. uh, direct to consumer razor service. You know, these are young companies that have sort of been able to to forge their own path and, and start from scratch in a lot of ways. That traditional packaged good companies and, and sort of old guard marketers have not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think Axe is sort of clearly recognizing that the messaging strategy that 10 years ago doesn't work anymore. Well, Unilever um, has been very, I mean, Unilever bought Dollar Shave Club, so they've been really clever about jumping on that bandwagon fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and companies like Unilever, if you look at, um, I know the uh, IAB has published research about this, um, these direct-to-consumer brands, these e-commerce brands, um, are only getting more competitive with companies like Unilever or Procter & Gamble. Um, and so I think 
that you know these younger companies again can 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 sort of you know to distinguish their product can have these really strong well some of the traditional retailers and brands are buying these up i mean right. so like i said unilever bought dollar shave club um target is partnering i think with casper or something like that or some yeah. of these different ones so they're you know i don't think it's either or they're but but definitely mm-hmm. there's sometimes called digitally native vertical brands they're changing the landscape that's for sure but x has done even more than just kind of pivot and mimic what the the these direct-to-consumers are doing i mean they've they've really just done more than change their message correct peter yeah, I mean they're they're doing um, a few different things, uh, and I think it started off maybe as a, a smaller portion of their marketing strategy. But uh, just I believe this week or late last week, they actually expanded um, some of the sort of the cause-based work they're doing around toxic masculinity. I mean they host um, seminars in high schools to discuss it um, and try to educate yeah. um, younger like- folks about it. And again, you want to talk about you know who's this targeted at? High school students, right. um, younger consumers. Did your son see this in high school? You have boys in high school. Not to my knowledge. I do have a high school age boy, but not to my knowledge. (laughs) So really, really interesting stuff. And it's almost uh, they're almost kind of using the the Dove campaign for real beauty play in that space, you know, with a brand that had been hyper masculine in the past. So really, really interesting play. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Dove, uh, Dove's men line, Dove men care has also um, done a lot with in terms of how they portray fathers. Um, I mean, that's a big part of the, the question when it comes to marketing to men is how are dads portrayed in advertising? There's even the phrase dadvertising, mm-hmm. um, which has sort of started to refer to another stereotype that's almost, um, you know, kind of spinning away from, uh, you know, the, the Marble Man archetype, which is just, you know, the bumbling, incompetent father who's sort of the butt of the joke in ads. And uh, there's been studies, I think Sachi and Sachi put out one about how, uh, you know, with millennial dads in particular, basically the youngest set of fathers, um, you know, that doesn't, you know, fathers think of themselves as being sensitive caregivers, um, as taking care of their kids. Uh, I know I talked about Harry's earlier. They launched a campaign last week that depicts uh, Ludacris, um, the the rapper, uh, and it's just an ad of him hanging out with his kids, but he's also doing dishes, you know, doing chores around the house. <laughs> Ludicrous um, doing dishes. Right, but I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's not something, um, you know, everyone does dishes, but if you were to look at historical portrayals of advertising of who does that work around the house, I don't think it would be a lot of men. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's you know, it, it touches on a lot of different areas. It was interesting. We had a speaker in in one of my classes recently, and they were talking about um, you know fast moving consumer goods, and they were talking about diaper sales, mm-hmm. and that you know had quoted a statistic, and the intention of the advertising was to um, appeal to mothers because mothers were the ones who were typically buying it. And one of my students, um, you know, kind of pushed back on that, saying, you know, why can't dads buy diapers, and why shouldn't they? And and you know, and then the the person's response was more that well. They don't, so it's not our really it's not our responsibility to get them to buy it. We need to fish where the fish are and advertise to the people who are buying it. But you know, one of the things that your article, uh, you know, one of the questions it kind of brings up is this idea of of are you following the trend? Or are you driving the trend? Is it is it the uh, is it the company's responsibility to kind of shift culture or just to to follow culture? So if this is kind of the the right thing to do or or perceived as the right thing to do at least by a big segment of of customers, is is that driving some of the the, the shifts in in the uh, industry or or are they following trends? What do you think? 
Um, I think it's probably in some ways trying to, to forge out a new path and see if they can net, you know, new consumers into the fold. Um, so, so again, like, uh, like Axe, I don't think all of their big marketing campaigns have been centered on, on this. I think it's, it's one initiative as part of a bar, broader brand platform that they've since expanded after a successful pilot. Um, so I think it's people kind of testing the waters with a lot of this. And, and the one thing I would say about it, I'm glad you brought up the diapers example. Um, I feel like marketers a lot of the time um, maybe shouldn't feel so confident that they know who their target audience is um, and feel so wed to their data um, on who their target audience is. Um, so one of the recent case studies that really stood out for me in, in that regard is the Home Depot. Uh, again, a, a brand I think historically has probably been most associated with men, uh, you know, doing uh, handiwork and home improvement jobs. Um, and they recently kind of took a deeper look at their data and decided to market more to women, and it's been a big boon to their business. Um, so, you know, uh, some of the stuff they, they pointed out was, uh, you know, women would pick out what they were shopping for, but men would be at the checkout line actually buying it. So they just said, well, it's just the men buying this mm. or be the men doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, a quick run on an errand for their wives to buy products for their wives. So, you know, you look at just the flat statistic, it's, you know, men bought all this, but I think it's a little bit more of a complex conversation. So, um, yeah, the diapers thing, I'm sure that's the case a lot of the time, too. You know, maybe maybe women are buying them more often, but I don't know, maybe the, the dad the dad actually changes the diapers or something like that. Maybe, but I doubt it. Um, Every <laughs> <laughs> uh, <I>, time. <laughs> uh, you know, I just switched gear. We have a few minutes left. but like, So you're a reporter for Marketing Dive, and you're re- reporting on this particular trend. But I was wondering, uh, what are some of the other trends you're seeing in marketing? I mean, you must be pretty close to all these campaigns and seeing a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a big piece of it, um, and that's that's been included um, in in you know this piece as well, is it's got to you know extend beyond the traditional you know media play of just having a couple spots here and there. I mean, the Bonobos effort has uh, you know a full microsite. It's talking to real people. Um, you know, influencer marketing is obviously huge and a big component of a lot of these campaigns. Uh, in terms of hitting on those younger audience segments, um, I think influencers are one of these things that tend to read as a little more authentic and resonant. Um, and yeah, so just having sort of a, a more comprehensive media plan and, and, and extending it beyond just uh, sort of, I guess, a traditional, uh, you know, here's our, here's our quick hit cause marketing. We partnered with some organization effort. But I was just uh, wondering, like, in addition to, the, like, what about, like, sustainability or environment? Have you seen these other kinds of trends um, and, and brands trying to get on those ba- bandwagons? Have you noticed that kind of stuff? Yeah, sustainability is a big part of the conversation for sure. Um, I know Adidas uh, is one of these companies that's trying to, you know, make shoes out of plastic or something like that. I, I haven't actually worn them, so I don't know if they're comfortable. <laughs> and I, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, we actually, uh, there's a, there's a company called Engagement Labs that ran a, that ran a study that we wrote up, uh, today that was about, um, yeah, younger consumers are really invested in stuff like environmental sustainability. Um, and I think, uh, I don't think these are unrelated. I think they're, you know, making a, the world a better place to live, but it takes different dimensions. Yeah, it has to be a good, I, you know, it has to make sense for the brand, for sure. I think it, 
you can't just do it ad hoc. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look, uh, this whole idea of cause or purpose-driven campaigns um, is really becoming central to a lot of marketers' strategies. It can't, you know, it's the, the idea of just having a product to sell stuff um, doesn't really hit it home with a lot of people anymore. And if you look at some of the research that's been done around how purpose-driven marketing can drive brand valuation, I mean, it's magnitudes more than companies that don't have a strong central uh, purpose. And, you know, purpose doesn't have to be social or political. It can be, um, you know, it's just, it's just something that extends the, the idea of the brand beyond, you know, we're selling you something. Yeah, I think um, there's even pressure on brands to make sure they treat their employees right. So I think right. there's been pushback against Walmart and Amazon on those fronts. Yeah. Um, or a, a recent example of that um, that got a lot of attention um, was McDonald's for International Women's Day. Um, flipped their arches upside down at a couple locations via oh, W, standing for women. And, you know, I can I'm imagine. Not, I, well, I won't editorialize on you know what what I thought of that, but uh, but you know, like there are reports of you know them not addressing some women's issues in the workplace. So you've got to. You've got to live out whatever you're marketing to consumers, otherwise it comes off as pretty cynical. So um, if you make, you know, if you have sustainable packaging but, you know, dump waste illegally somewhere else, like that's not a, it's not a good, I mean, it's, a, like, it's not a good look overall, but I think you've got to really kind of live out your values and consumers are only holding brands more accountable I mean, social media platforms, you can direct message or, or at reply like any any major organization, and you might be able to build some grassroots movement around it. So who knows? Yeah, I think this is to Keith's point. You know, the social media platforms and stuff skews younger. Mm -hmm. And so to hold these brands accountable is something that we may see that's a little bit newer now. Peter Adams, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was great to have you, and I hope you'll join us again and tell us about new trends. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Peter. And if you're interested in keeping up with Peter, head to marketingdive.com or follow him on Twitter at PatchAdams03. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.